You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Cupney, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play in this episode of Two and Out. It's Travis Kura. It is Brazilian Tide, and... Uh, Ty told me something about a week ago, and I think he's got to tell to an out nation now. Wow, that no. I didn't even ask down. how you were. How are you? No, <laughs> <laughs> well, considering how Sunday went, not great. How Monday night went, even worse. Still haven't made it to the golf course on my days off. Um, and yeah, my days off just turn into counting down how many sleeps in my own bed I get until I have to go back to work. Oh no. So, you know, trying to find a four slice toaster and an extension cord. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, uh, I I think we, uh, should, uh, get to your announcement and look, uh, I told Mess I wouldn't do this, so I'm not going to do I, it. I've I've already used that in my best man speech, so I'm not going to use it again. <laughs> but uh, I, this is my last season. I'm I'm retiring. Um, thought we'd do this forever, but with work schedules and everything else, it's just it's becoming too much. Um, that does, I, I'm still going to watch football. So I'm going to watch the CFL. It's just I can't force myself to have to watch, you know, three or four games and try to get stats together and then come on here and act like I know what's going on if I can't watch games, especially once the NFL hits and then there's two games on a Friday, two games on a Saturday. I don't get to watch any of them, especially the Saturday ones. It's just it's it all piles on and I, I don't think it's fair to you. I don't think it's fair to the people who listen that if I come on here and act like I watched every single second of a game when I was able to watch 10 minutes of it. All right. Well, uh, your work schedule, uh, are you, are you tearing up or is that just the camera? No, I'm, I'm emotional, <laughs> but I, I already had my sad moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, but I'm not going to tell you how I feel about you until you actually retire. So, uh, your work schedule, right now, <laughs> it has you, uh, possibly being off work for October. So, uh, or maybe November, like, I should yeah, say. We'll, maybe. we'll see what happens. I mean, if, if that opportunity comes up where there's nothing really going on, I'd probably swing a few days. But maybe we'll have uh, one last playoff run together. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, it, yeah, and, and with work, with the playoffs being on Saturdays now, that's that's a long day. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's a lot for me too. I almost yeah. retired. <laughs> and I, I I I was gonna play chicken with you again and just see, and the more and it just it was just draining me. Now, uh, speaking of the NFL, did you see their announcement they made early on Wednesday? Um, was it? Oh, I read something and I thought it was weird. Not weird, but I thought it was 
different. I can't remember what it is now. Practice rosters will expand in 2024 to include oh. one international player. Well, so that's not, that's not the announcement I read. Well, I'm I'm just saying. What I have the Jim Carrey player? "Come On" gif in my head the whole time. <laughs> where did I see that before? Yeah. And where did everybody else crap on it before? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now the NFL would be a great idea. Fantastic idea. Like Vince McMahon's mustache. <laughs> Look. Like, look at that stash on your lip, and then look at Vince's. This isn't just for men. Yeah. His definitely is. I I, I guess when you're stupid rich, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, what does it matter? (laughs) We are in week 15 of the CFL season, where the Toronto Argonauts visit the Montreal Alouettes. The Argos are seven-point favorites. Now, they were heavy favorites last week. I really thought that the Alouettes had a chance to cover. But then the game got away from them. Their leading receiver, Austin Mack, got booted out, and the rest is history. Now the Owls are at home. I mean, the Argos still do have something to play for. They can actually Mm -hmm. clinch the East final here, which... We're just September. two months out, and they could start selling officially. Well, really, they probably could have started selling tickets August 1st. But <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't start selling them after they won the Grey Cup because <laughs> everybody was all over Chad Kelly without seeing anything. Yeah, and now uh, East Final tickets might go on sale about a week from today if they, of course, win this game. Uh it's it's tough to beat a team twice in a row. We saw that with Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Edmonton. Are you feeling the same way I, going I think, into this? I think one? we can throw out the Edmonton or the Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. Trying like <laughs> we all knew that Saskatchewan was going into Winnipeg and getting throttled. Yeah, I don't think that was even up for debate. But I don't know if um, I knew it by six touchdowns, but <laughs> no, maybe but three. we three, yeah, three. I mean, that's that's a moral victory at that point. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I don't think it'll be that difficult. I think Toronto covers, I, I think they lay the boots to them. They know that, you know, you can't take any team lightly. I don't think they're going to necessarily play down to Montreal's level. Not that Montreal is garbage, but I mean, Toronto just seems to be that step above everybody this year. Yeah. It just, there's a big gap between first and second in the East division. Will the horn guy, Make a difference with the great Chad Kelly. Can we call him the great Chad Kelly? The Argos off to the best start since Doug Flutie. <laughs> well, I mean, he's, yeah, he might be, he, he could go down. If he wins this great cup, like you got to put him the same, the same, the same uh, category. Like it's, and I know he he didn't play regular season last year. He had the handful of plays in the Grey Cup. Yeah, but you know the Argos haven't been super relevant after winning a Grey Cup. No, they've always since ninety seven or since ninety six. So you know they win a Grey Cup and they sell the farm to do that, and then the next and then it's a it's a three years of rebuilding and us making fun of them not having any fans. <laughs> and this year has been completely different. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, it's one of those things. It's not only good for the Argos, but it's been great for the league, uh, you know, to have 
a team like especially you go from Winnipeg winning two great cups back to back, going to a third, being relevant. Now Toronto is the one that beats them. They're relevant still. They're not just a flash in the pan and dropping off like the Marlins and and uh, you know the Argos like they have been in recent years. It's it's really great. I think the CFL is unlike any league where if a, a person's and this is just my observation, if a person's personal team is struggling, then they blame the whole league. Yes. <laughs> like Edmonton fans or people in Edmonton, ah, oh, the CFL sucks. This is boring. It's not entertaining. No, your team sucks. Yeah. <laughs> now, now they're fun to watch. But, no, it's your team that's had over 20 home losses in a row. Ask mm-hmm. people in Winnipeg, does the league suck? Like, no. No, people are describe babies. Yeah, but I don't see that with, I don't know, like when the Oilers were in their decade of darkness. I guess maybe there were some fans saying, oh, no, ah, it, the NHL sucks, this isn't entertaining. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's every fan in the NHL, though, when Gary Bettman does anything. They boo him and, and say that he's it's like, you wouldn't have Edmonton. You wouldn't have Winnipeg back. Like, you wouldn't yeah. have these teams. Yeah, sure, the teams like Phoenix and stuff we still have, but. Without Gary Bettman, this league is in a hell of a lot worse spot than it is now. And it's the same as like with the CFL. Like people we we crapped on Ambrosi, people on Twitter have crapped on Ambrosi for decisions. And yeah, it's not all his doing, but yeah, you know, these last three years, you know, take out the war years where you know teams were ravaged by guys going overseas, it's it's surprising that the league is doing as well as it is. And has it still has those strongholds in the prairies, and you know Toronto is keep staying up there and and drawing fans. And Hamilton, I don't think, it not an exception, but like for for the East teams, like Hamilton, I would argue is probably one of the best models. But again, like they, but like they they get struggling. fans, and, and they're struggling. But people, they're still in the discussion. People are still talking about them, and and you don't hear a lot of chatter about how it's the league. Like I think a lot yeah. of fans, a lot of fans on like there's there's a there's a few teams that are like that, but for the majority, I feel like it's that people can appre- that appreciate the league more than like when their team is struggling, they'll still watch other games and and they know what the product is. Ottawa gets eighteen to twenty k out and look at which the, is wild the product they've dealt with since mm-hmm. uh, their last Grey Cup appearance five years ago. So Crum Crum has infused a lot of hope into that fan base. Yeah, unfortunately, it, it has kind of fallen a little bit yeah. since teams have figured out how to limit his run game. It's called but, a quarterback spy. Yeah. Revolutionary. Yeah. It'll change the game. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Montreal Alouettes who make a big signing this week. Darnell Sankey, uh, mm-hmm. who played in the XFL this spring is now with the Alouettes. He set a franchise record with the Riders last year. Uh, where he had 120 tackles. And then the year before in Calgary, he was a West Division All-Star. In 14 games, he had 98 tackles. So Darnell Sankey is a guy that is all over the field, and it's going to be a big addition Mm -hmm. to the Alouette's defense for the stretch run here. Yeah, and, you know, John Bowman leaves or retires, We and we thought that O-line and that defense would struggle just with the veteran leadership and everything, but they've not pieced it together, but they've got pieces in there and, and filled some holes and adding Darnell Sankey. I think, you know, just the versatility in that linebacking core that he has 
being as athletic as he is, uh, that that defense is only going to get better. And, you know, as long as Cody Fajardo can take care of the ball and they're not playing 35, 40 minutes a night, they can make some noise in that East Division. Yeah, and the thing with Cody Fajardo is that, uh, I mean, his completion percentage is good. He gets sacked a lot. It's just <laughs> they really have one or two. Now, there's some receivers that are starting to sort mm-hmm. of rise and uh, be known in the CFL, like Tyler Sneed, even Cole Speaker. Speaker, yeah. But for a while, it was just Austin Mack and K on Julian Grant, and then Julian Grant got hurt. So that really... And they have no run game right now. Exactly. And that really hurts what they were trying to do. But now Kayon Julian Grant is practicing in full this week. He was practicing a little bit last week. He's become one of those receivers that is so good after the catch. Mm-hmm. So if they get him back into the game and Austin Mack can avoid being kicked out... Um... <laughs> is he the new Travis Curra in intramurals? He's got a long way to go. Or is he misco? <laughs> so Tyrell was the ref at our junior high intramurals. And for some reason, Two-time I set the record. award winner, by the way. <laughs> you won it. In grade seven and grade nine, yeah. Wow. And I set the record. Was it for Suspensions, think, penalty minutes, and ejections? I think yours was penalty minutes, and I think Misko's was ejections. Okay. That might be the other way around. <laughs> Just the two biggest guys in our school, and I'd kick them out. <laughs> and they'd listen. I don't know why. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think it, once you started realizing how bad the numbers were, you just wanted to get them higher. Yeah, that's true. It was it, basically the 80s flyers. It was a point of pride. like Yeah. <laughs> and then when you see, you know... Uh, the stripes, there's just some sort of respect with the stripes and the whistle. So you just well, you walk out. <laughs> now the Argos. Like Roberto Alomar. <laughs> are one of only two teams to be averaging 300 pass yards against oh, this again. season. Yeah, that's it's not good. So that's why you can move the ball against oh, yeah. them. It's kind of all about finishing drives and keeping up with the firepower of the Argo offense and limiting your own turnovers because the Alouettes turned it over five times last week. Those mm-hmm. fumbles, the interception, uh, they got stuffed on uh, short yardage. If they do that again, zero chance that yeah. they they can win. But if they clean that up... How, I, want, I, would, I would be interested to know, though, is how many of those passing yards are coming while teams are trailing by two scores or more? You know, we've seen that a few times. Edmonton, I think they teams had, have to throw the ball. The, in Edmonton in July, I think mm-hmm. Jarrett Dagey threw like an... In the fourth quarter, they yeah. had an up team amount of yards. yard touchdown or whatever it was. Right? So That's what I mean. like So like if you're down by 10 or more, you're not going to be trying to clock and establish a run. You're throwing the ball. Yeah. And, you know... It's like the Lakers in the early 80s. It wasn't about everybody had where they shot from, and you went to your spot. And if you put up 30 shots a night and you only made 10, then the system was working. Because if you can get the more shots you get up, the more points you're going to get because more are going to go in. It's the same when you're trailing. The more throws you make, some are bound to get caught. Now, the Alouettes are 6-6, six and six, and, of course, they want to clinch a home playoff game. But Hamilton is hot on their tail. Which so- I don't know if we saw coming. Well, you kind of did. But I, I refuse to believe you were serious when you said that stuff in the group chat. 
Well, it, hey, Hamilton and Montreal play the last week of the regular season. I know we could be got, for home playoff game. We've got five or six games, five games each, uh, before we get to that point. But that could be a very meaningful the game. East semi. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's it because those teams would play again in two weeks, right? So, yeah, or no, the very week. next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'll be. That'll be interesting to watch. And like you said, these Alouettes, I I don't know. <laughs> is it is it Standback? Is it the O line? Uh, what is it? They're they're not able to get a rush mm-hmm. game going. And Standback actually, as of Tuesday, hasn't practiced with a hand injury. Well, last week, what did he have? Three carries. Yeah, they they got nothing done. The TSN panel rams down our throats how William Stanback needs to get the ball and and you know he's one of the best running backs in the league and he, and all this stuff and it'll help Montreal's offense and then you don't see him. Yeah. They don't use him. So keeping up with Toronto as far as physicality goes will be tough, but the Alouettes are gonna need to try to do something uh to <laughs> squeak out a win here mm-hmm. on Friday night football. The, the the second half of that Friday night doubleheader is a very intriguing game to me too as the I Saskatchewan. I just wish it was in Edmonton. Because <laughs> then I would leave Friday and catch trade night in Edmonton, go to Prince George Saturday and then to camp on Sunday. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they are home to the Edmonton Elks where they're 3 and 2 in their last 5 games. Easily could be 5-0. and oh. They were up three scores on Winnipeg. They were up two or three scores on Calgary on Labor Day. And now they're going into Saskatchewan where the Riders are three-point favorites as of right now. And that's basically three points that's to the a, home team, right? That's Elks money line written all over it. I don't know if this is just anecdotal or... But I, I feel like the Riders have struggled against running quarterbacks. No, come on. <laughs> and even if it's Taylor Cornelius, Trey Ford is another level mm-hmm. of running quarterback. Yeah. Who's who's going to be spying him? Are they going to put Derek Moncrief on him? He's, I, he's a good athlete. It's probably your only option. It's not an easy assignment. No, we saw what Cam Judge was doing. This guy, Nick Marshall, can barely cover receivers. You're not going to put him on Trey Ford. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's true. I mean, well, Nick Marshall's probably going to be on Geno. Oh yeah, which is he's going to get burned hard at least twice. I'll call it right now. Nick Marshall gets a pick. He had a tough banjo bowl, uh, Nick did. At so he's going to want to bounce back from that. <laughs> the roster had a bowl. I turned the, ra- I, I turned the radio off. Man. There's no point. Now, how do Trey Ford and the Elks get the pass game going? Th- that has to be, well, they, they beat Calgary with 21 passing yards through three quarters. He did have 144 in the fourth alone. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's a sustained recipe for success, though. No. Um, I think, though, having Trey Ford, like those corners have to be ready to break off routes if he runs. Yeah. Which, at, at, at the same time, if he's going to scramble outside the pocket and they lose contain and a cornerback comes off, 
he's leaving somebody open. So now you've come to the point where it's like, well, you got to make sure he crosses the line. Well, if he crosses the line, it's already too late. So like, you have to, it's going to be some, there's going to, they're going to figure out some sort of scheme. I just, we've seen it before in this league. It's not like this is new information on, on running quarterbacks, but I, I, I don't understand how teams haven't figured this out because there's been so many in the past and the film is endless, but for, for Edmonton to, to get that passing game going, they have to establish a run and, and we drive that point home a lot and we say it a lot, but I think with having him and Kevin Brown and, yeah. you know, you can throw Taylor Cornelius in in short yardage and stuff like that. You got three guys that teams have like every snap, can be a run play for Edmonton. And I think that only helps their passing game. But Calgary is just so well coached on that defensive side of the ball that it was tough for those first three quarters. Yeah, they they were totally ready for it. Obviously, they kept Trey in the pocket for those first three quarters, and they forced him to beat him with his arm and made some plays. When you got receivers like Geno Lewis, he's going to make those plays mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the time. I think he calls them 90-10 balls. Uh, yeah, there's no 50-50 ball with Geno. With Geno. Yeah. So <laughs> I I am so, so – I, I love watching Trey Ford. I watched him play twice in six days, Labor Day, and then the rematch, and uh, I <laughs> – your Labor Day weekend was so much better than mine. <laughs> I, I don't want to do the whole overreact thing. I don't know if we've seen a quarterback that fast. Like, he's just yeah. unreal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unfair. It's a cheat code. <laughs> it, it's kind of fun. It kind of looks like Rocky Balboa chasing down a chicken when the defenders are in the backfield trying to catch this guy. Are you okay, buddy? Yeah. Well, it's like when you drop a bouncy ball, like you've never looked more unathletic trying to get it or when your hat flies off in the wind. It's not the fact that it happened. It's you trying to get it and you get outsmarted by the wind. For the riders, they need to get a running game going. It just hasn't been consistent this year, we talk about Toronto struggling against the pass. Well, Edmonton against the run, 137.2 yards a game. That That's a full football field plus some. Not good. <laughs> no, it's far from ideal. So, if this, if there ever was a, league, a Jamal Morrow especially game. In a league that they call a, pa- like a passing league. Yeah, yeah. Like, if there, there ever was a Jamal Morrow game, th- this be, has to be it. Do not take Jamal Morrow, take Frankie Hickson. Interesting. Just just because you know because it's supposed to be Jamal Morrow and he's supposed to have a big day, yeah. but he's going to get three carries. <laughs> 5.8 yards a carry. Man, I don't know. I'm looking at the rushing defenses across the CFL. Only three of them are averaging less than five yards a carry given up. And BC? No. Well, they're 5.3. They're fourth. 5.3, yeah. It's actually. Winnipeg? No. Five and a half yards of carry. Toronto? It's Toronto at four. Ottawa Ottawa. at four. And Saskatchewan Saskatchewan. at 4.9. Wow. Oh, 4.9. That's five. (laughs) (laughs) So. 
I don't know. Like, if they were ever going to have a guy running and uh, having some success in that area, this does look to be the game. And uh, just keep, I don't know, Trey off the field. That that might be a good strategy. Uh, Because even if it doesn't seem like they sustained drives with him, at least last week, there's always a chance for a big play. Yeah. And when your defenders are chasing a guy around all the time, it's it looks Get exhausting. Cast. <laughs> uh, for the Elks here, uh, they've extended Mark Cordy for three years, the center on the offensive line. So starting to lock down the that that core and the, that offensive line, who they've seemed to really turn things around. I, I still think it's remarkable when I watch Trey Ford running around. They're not taking illegal blocks or uh, mm-hmm. holding calls. How many times they don't need we need to? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but when we see a quarterback running around, it's like the old line kind of panics. They don't know yeah. where he is and takes holding calls. But I don't know. Either the flag's in the pocket or they're not taking it. But uh, three years to lock down your center—that's always big. And you know, if they and Trey Ford, I'm assuming. I don't know what his contract status is, but he if he's probably not, on his will, rookie deal, he will be like he'll still be there. Like they're gonna make sure that that, that group kind of stays together. I think they're loving what they're seeing, obviously. So you know, get that done now, and then going into next year, everybody's got you know this is. I know we we kind of said it was like an extended training camp because it was still especially after like they started zero and four, and it just it was everything was going wrong. It's like well, this year's a write off. I mean, now it still it still kind of is like an incentive training camp, but now you have the guy that's going to be starting next season. Yeah, yeah. in there, and and it's just it, it can. Only, they're probably they're going to win some games closing out this season, and they're going to come in next year, and it's going to be it's not going to be the Elks we saw to start the year. The Riders' offensive line getting some good news as well. Philip Blake was practicing after uh, suffering a torn pec. I, I believe it was in the preseason. So in week 15, week 16, whenever he gets back into a game, could the Riders have their projected starting offensive line for the first time? That's still two, three weeks away where we could get somebody else hurt, so let's not count our chickens. That's true. (laughs) Um, Anthony Lanier, he wasn't at practice on Tuesday, um, and we know that uh, Pete Robertson is going to be back into the lineup after uh, serving his suspension after what happened on Labor Day. So uh, I'm way about the game of a four when somebody else <laughs> tomorrow. Five years before, <laughs> people are so <laughs> dumb, <laughs> and we wonder why you're retiring. Yeah, <laughs> that's the real reason, isn't it? <laughs> like the last dance. The Hamilton Tiger Cats are seven-point underdogs as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, go to town. The over-under at 48 in this one. Now, I don't think we can question Winnipeg at this point because every time we do, they go out there and they pop 50 on a team. And (laughs) before you know, it's like, what what, what just happened here? Maybe they're not old. Yeah. (laughs) Now... With the emotion of Labor Day and the Badger Bowl, there there probably is a little bit of a lull, isn't there? I would think. I don't know if it's a lull or if it's, you're emotionally and physically exhausted after those two weeks. Yeah. Like it's got it's got to be emotionally draining. 
That's what I figure. Now, right. I'm not saying they're going to lose. Like, is a hangover after a wedding that much worse? Because you've seen all your all your friends were there the night before and you got hammered and danced and had the time of your life. Whereas if you just sit at a bar by yourself, the hangover the next day is like, oh, whatever, I can go to work. <laughs> That's a good question. I always just thought it was the free wine, but. You're the only one who drinks that. <laughs> Everybody else pays a toonie and drinks whiskey. <laughs> now, I think Taylor Powell's been really good mm-hmm. over the last uh, few weeks here. And, I mean, what he did against Ottawa, especially on a short week, uh, Ottawa at home, <laughs> off the bye, I, I'm still kind of blown away by that game, but. Taylor Powell also went into BC on a short week and stole a win from the Lions. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's the Scott Milanovic factor uh, as he puts more of his fingerprint on this offense as the season moves along. On three weeks ago, we were firing Orlando Steinauer. Yeah, it's true. Like, complete turnaround for this team. But now... Look at the home and away splits. The Ticats one and five at Tim Hortons Field. They're four and two on the road. That one and five slipped under the radar thanks to the Elks. That's true. That's true. The the Ticats have really just struggled at home. Mm-hmm. And the but, Elks got their first win at Tim yes. Hortons Field, actually. But, like I like, but what's the what are they against the spread at home? That's what matters. Oh, that's the question you have. <laughs> Now, uh, Taylor Powell's been playing uh, clean football lately, hasn't been turning the ball over. I think it's all just going to be what what sort of energy are the Bombers going to be bringing into the donut box. Uh, but the Ticats have the ability to have that energy as well, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- this game is on the Saturday. Yep. Yeah, Saturday in Hamilton. Like, look out. Like, the environment there, Winnipeg. I, I don't want to say Winnipeg's coming in exhausted i mean they've had a week yeah. but the like a, like the emotional and, and and the physical letdown after those two weeks against your biggest rival i think there is something to be said for hamilton you know having their the, the fans are always loud the, that stadium is always rocking saturday night it'll just it's just one of those things where it's kind of set up for hamilton to come out and maybe get if they can get off to a quick start I think that's key. They can't play that. You don't want to be playing from behind, but if they can get off to a quick start, I don't see how Hamilton or why Hamilton couldn't cover and even possibly win. No, I don't know if the Ticats can keep up with the bombers offensively. If, if Kolaris is going to be slinging it, uh, you know, Lawler and swinging it to shown and (laughs) through Latarski somehow gets in there. Rashid Bailey, like they got a lot of weapons. Yeah. It'll be tough to keep up. And the leading rusher in the CFL. I mm-hmm. I honestly... Now, this is crazy. I've seen people saying, is this Brady Oliveira better than prime Andrew Harris in Winnipeg? Because Oliveira is looking like an absolute monster right now. Well, we never got to see prime Andrew Harris, so... I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is it a coincidence that uh, you're hanging up the headphones when Andrew Harris is hanging up the cleats? Like all the, you can't go to the well anymore. So that's basically yeah, that's another reason. 
But no. my, my drugs aren't performance enhancing. We know that. <laughs> Tim White's uh, stats over the last two weeks, 15 catches, 290 yards, three touchdowns. Actually, I shouldn't say two weeks. One was Monday and one was Friday. <laughs> Yeah. So last two games, he's been a monster. Mm-hmm. Now, what do the Bombers need to do to stop him? Because it sure seems like Powell has found a connection with Tim White, and it just seems like keep him in front of you and don't give up scores. Like I think we know who's going to be on Tim White on Saturday. I think that's painfully obvious. Demario Houston? Yeah. And, and you got to have safety help over the top, and, and that's that's what they're going to have to do. They're, if you can shut down Tim White yeah, and take away options for, for Taylor Powell, they're going to have to lean on James Butler a little more and go other places, and that receiving core is not what it was three, four years ago. Yeah, and how do we get James Butler going? That's that's a tight mm-hmm. cats question, right? you, you got to get the ball in his hands, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the run game. Yeah. Get those swing passes going. The only problem with that is – Run to the opposite side of where Willie Jefferson is because that screen pass <laughs> is getting knocked down. Yeah. Taylor Powell, stay clean. Uh, get James Butler and Tim White going. And, and they got a shot here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winnipeg just needs to do what they do. Uh, although rushing against the Ticats has become a lot more difficult with uh, Dylan Wynn Dylan back Wynn in the back. lineup. Yep. Now, he did not practice on Tuesday. We'll, we'll see if he gets back into the lineup. They've even had Jagera Davis practicing in full. I, I don't know if he'll be back playing. Uh, you know, the bizarre situation where he was traded. Calgary finds out he has a torn meniscus. He gets sent back to Hamilton. What a, what a crazy situation here. But uh, it's beating the Bombers, man. They're first on first down. That's their success. They're getting almost eight yards of play mm-hmm. on first down. Yeah. It's almost unfair. It's and, and Hamilton is actually eighth on first down. Saskatchewan ninth. Ninth. That makes sense. So <laughs> if you allow these bombers to be played in second and short, and I've talked about before, they're even good in second and long. But yeah. I'd rather take my chances there than second and short. Well, and like second and second and two, you're basically guaranteeing that they're going for it on third down because they're going to get something. Yeah, they'll put Dakota Prukop in there twice if they need to. Yeah. Last game of the week, I this one might just be if you like to watch <laughs> offense, uh, watch yeah. the BC Lions. I don't think I'm going to bet on this game. I think I'm going to gamble on this game. (laughs) Nine and a half point favorites over the Ottawa Red Blacks. I've talked about the struggles with the Ottawa passing game. They are last in the CFL, over 325 yards a game. Mm -hmm. I've got VA in my lineup. I have uh, one of his receivers. I can't remember if it's Hollins or Hatcher, but I I have one of them in my lineup. It, It doesn't even look like it really matters if the Lions can get their running game going here. (laughs) It just, to me, looks like this is going to be a big VA game uh, against Ottawa. Speaking of VA having a big game, that Ottawa secondary with 
Kinney out now with a broken hand. That's it. The hits keep on coming for Ottawa. Like you know, last year with Masoli, we don't need to get into all that stuff. But then he comes back. Everybody, it's going to be awesome. Happens again. It just seems to be they're like the New York Jets. Like it's, <laughs> it. It's just one of those things, right? It's it, where nothing can go right. It feels like there's a curse. And you know, Dustin Crown comes in. The hope goes up. They win a couple games, and now there's the injury bug rearing its ugly head again. Now I don't know if Abdul Kenna is done. Uh, for his career, I should say. He, I think he came into the CFL in 2014, which is actually a, a pretty darn good career for a defensive mm-hmm. back, man. But l- he's got the broken hand now, and he posted on Twitter yesterday a picture of his Grey Cup ring. He tweeted a 10-plus years equals dedication commitment consistent. So uh, I, I don't know if he's done in the CFL, but... Uh, quite the run and winning that great cup in Ottawa in uh, 2016 with a game in Toronto. But uh, yeah, quite, quite the career for Abdul Kenna. Dustin Crum, uh, he, he hasn't, he hasn't been a struggling. It's just, they haven't been able to finish the drives. That that's really it. There was the one interception last week against the Ticats, yeah. but Without him able to run, it's been leaning on the rest of the offense. Now, Devontae Williams had he had over 100 <laughs> yards last week. He had week. a big game. Can they do that again? Uh, well, and going back to, they really should have beat Hamilton. <laughs> like, there was so many opportunities there. They just didn't get it done. This mm-hmm. is going to be an even tougher assignment. And it's just one of those things where, Really, the rest of the season is just kind of seeing what you have with Crum, right? I think so. I think it's got to be one of those things where are we ready to commit to this guy? Is he showing us enough where we can start to build an offense and put pieces around him to make this team successful? Yeah. Because if if they're not and they got to go back out, then there's no point in in trying to make – or I shouldn't say that. If they're not going to build this team around Crum and they're just kind of going through the paces and waiting for somebody to become available and if, like waiting for a free agent quarterback to come back in, then you're just setting yourself up for failure when you have a guy that has already shown that he can win games and, and has done the things you've needed to see. Like If you don't know by now, then you're not doing your job. So it, it, it's I, I think that, yeah, if, if they're going to keep him, which I think they will. Yep. Right, like I don't think he can do anything in these games to change their mind. We don't know but if he's can... the week one starter next yeah. year. That's uh, yeah, it depends on Masoli. Yeah, is he I don't think back? he. I don't think he's going to do anything that's going to merit them not bringing him back. Yeah, yeah, he's done so much good already. Well, and when your defense cannot stop the pass, like uh, teams are having massive games against the mm-hmm. Red Blacks. I, I think uh, Jake Mayer, well, he had success against Ottawa and Toronto, actually. So, uh, And he's he's been better lately, Calgary on bye this week. The, the, the Lions given up uh, the least points in the CFL. They've given up the l- least touchdowns in the league. They're kind of neck and neck with BC or Winnipeg. 
in the, these categories. Uh, although defensively, it, it's kind of <laughs> they, they were on like historic pace at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year, but then uh, kind of cooled off a little bit here. The Lions have actually signed a couple uh, running backs to the practice roster, and I, I kind of wonder if that is going to be an open competition almost in practice the rest of the way. They, they haven't been happy with with what they've been getting from the running game, but I, I really liked what we've seen from uh, Sean Shivers and Taquan Mizell. I, I think it's just a matter of getting the ball in those guys' hands. Uh Give yeah. them the ball and let them see what they can do. There have been flashes yeah. from uh, both those BC running backs, although they haven't been able to consistently run the ball. I know they're an indoor team, but the West will run through Winnipeg. And uh, we don't know what we're going to get on that uh, that West final the week before the Grey Cup, but you're probably going to want to run the ball just a little bit, and uh, when you're playing on the road in Edmonton and places like that, they still have a game there. You're just going to want to be able to run that ball. But looks like a big VA game to me. My fantasy lineup, of course, is headlined by Vernon Adams Jr. And who am I going to be playing this week? I've got Zach Schnitzer from Bonfire Sports. Oh, man. I've got the most points in the whole league, but I'm like fourth. Welcome to fantasy football. Yeah, the worst game on the planet. Uh, so my running backs, Brady Oliveira and Jamal Morrow, uh, Keon Hatcher, touchdown tie, Tyler Sneed. He's only 6000 Uh I got DeMonte Coxie in my flex, and I got the Ryder defense only because they're $6,400. <laughs> they're the cheapest, and I was talking re- to it's you. It's like buying tennis balls from... The dollar store. You get what you pay for. <laughs> well, and I, I was, I asked you last week. Is it worth spending money on a defense anymore? I don't know. Not. I don't think so. I took the cheapest defense last week, which was the Tie Cats, and they got me seven points. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I took the Argos because I, I, I just feel like Fajardo's going to throw picks, and they're going to end up. Keep, they're going to be able to keep the score low. Uh, Trey Ford, because I have zero faith in the in the Riders. <laughs> I mean, they 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 did this to me. It's their fault. <laughs> Brady Oliveira and AJ Olette, Hollins, Sabasu, and Dunbar Jr. I like the Sabasu. He's twenty five hundred. Love getting the old uh, uh, twenty five hundred dollars special. But and keep an Trey, eye on Mister Trey Ford's uh, my captain. Uh, Dunbar. I had him in my lineup last week. Got hurt and uh, yeah. That was a big 2.6 points. Woo! Uh, <laughs> for pick of this week, I'm going Argos, Riders, Bombers, Lions. Argos, Elks, Bombers, Lions. Wow! Are you putting money down on the Elks? Yes. Of the spread? I, or... might, I, I don't think I'm going to bet on that. I think I'm going to gamble on it. <laughs> there is a difference between betting and gambling. Right. If I'm betting... If I'm gambling, I might not be able to pay bills. <laughs> you might need this podcast. Uh, we need to start getting paid again. <laughs> you can rate, review, and subscribe to Two It Out on your favorite podcatcher. You can like, comment on YouTube as well, and uh, throw us or me 
some coffee money on Patreon. <laughs> no, seriously, it covers hosting costs and that mm. kind of stuff. So thank you so much for those that have uh, been on the two and out Patreon for Brazilian Thai. I'm Travis Cura. Ty will be back hopefully in a few weeks. Uh, we don't know at <laughs> yeah. this point, but uh, we'll still have a show for you in uh, in the coming days. Enjoy week fifteen I'll be of out the in CFL the ether. season. Like I'll be around. Yeah, you're around. I can, I can still call people idiots on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not believing everything. <laughs> I'll talk to you Monday after week fifteen. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 